promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 42. As the deer longs for the water brooks, so longs my soul for you, O God. I thirst for God, for the living God. When shall I come to appear before the presence of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long they say to me, Where now is your God? I pour out my soul when I think on these things, how I went with the multitude and led them into the house of God with shouts of thanksgiving among those keeping festival. Why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul, and why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to the one who is my help and my God. My soul is heavy within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the peak of Mizar, among the heights of Hermon. One deep calls to another in the roar of your cascades. All your rapids and floods have gone over me. The Lord grants loving kindness in the daytime. In the night season, the Lord's song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to the God of my strength, why have you rejected me? And why do I wander in such gloom while the enemy oppresses me? While my bones are being broken, my enemies mock me to my face. All day long they mock me and say to me, where now is your God? Why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul, and why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to the one who is my help and my God. Amen. Our reading today comes from Ezekiel chapter 13. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You've not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them, and yet they expect to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken? Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord God, precisely because they have misled my people, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash, say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind break out. And when the wall falls, will it not be said to you, where is the coating with which you smeared it? 
Therefore thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out of my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones and wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus I will spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash, and I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who smeared it. The prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord God. And you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own hearts, prophesy against them, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic bands upon all wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every stature in the hunt for souls. Will you hunt down souls belonging to my people and keep your souls alive? You have profaned me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, putting to death souls who should not die and keeping alive souls who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic bands with which you hunt the souls like birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let the souls whom you hunt go free, the souls like birds. Your veils also I will tear off and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand as prey, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Because you have disheartened the righteous falsely, although I have not grieved him, and you have encouraged the wicked that he should not turn from his evil way to save his life, therefore you shall no more see false visions nor practice divination. I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the whole chapter, and we're going to try and get through it here as quickly as we possibly can. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. We'll we'll see. But this is a moment in which Ezekiel is tasked with speaking against the people that were prophesying so much good for Jerusalem and for Israel in in the previous chapter. The the ones that were talking about, oh no, what what Ezekiel's saying isn't going to happen. And, And here God calls to him to say, no, you are to speak to them and say that they're wrong that they are are not prophesying correctly that they their word what they are preaching is not correct here he's he's preaching against the other preachers uh, in in these spur- these circumstances I, uh, verse 2 uh, and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts uh, th- those who are not seeking the lord those who are not seeking after what it is that the Lord has to say, but only conjuring up what it is that they think uh, is necessary uh, for their own uh, benefit, whatever that that might be. Speak against those who talk too much <laughs> would be another way to say it. I think those who always have an answer for something when, when oftentimes uh, their answers are wrong. Uh, going after those who, who who have lied to Israel, who have led Israel astray, uh, th- those who have made chapter 12 a reality, made people too comfortable. And he says, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit uh, and have seen nothing. And and I, the first question I wrote down in reading this, how do we distinguish this? This becomes a warning chapter to me as a pastor, because I sit here and I think, uh, 
how am I able to judge whether or not I am um, guilty of this? Whether or not I am one who is in this place of, of, of wrong, right? Whether, whether I am one who has not uh, lived out the, the correct prophesying life. I don't know how else to say it. The, the reality that we have pastors and we have preachers all over the country who are slaving away, doing what it is, uh, proclaiming the word of God, and then we have others who are not. And and it it causes me to sit here and go, well, how do we distinguish these things? And, and someone say, well, based on the word, right? And that and that's a good place to start, right? Those those who are just bringing what it is that the word of God, what the word of God says. But then there's so much fighting and turmoil within the church itself of what it is that the word of God says, right? There, there's so much arguing and, and displeasure when it, when it comes to that. Uh, how do we know that we aren't them? becomes an issue. How do we, you know, because there, there are, are preachers who will proclaim certain things and, um, and then they start to speak about other things that are not right. I, I think of, of more, uh, right leaning preachers, more conservative preachers who, yes, they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with all boldness and they will speak against sin perfectly, but then they don't, uh, they, they take this stance, um, of, of politics that often places politics ahead of Jesus in certain circumstances. And the, and then I, I think about the, the more progressive preachers who will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with all boldness and the freedom that Christ brings and the radical uh, love that, that Christ's gospel brings, but then they leave the door wide open for uh, similar sins as, as the right-leaning politicians where they replace Jesus with politics. And, and so it becomes this question of uh, where do we fit as preachers within that? And, and that's a, a major concern of mine. You know, when am I proclaiming things that are of my own heart, of my own spirit, and not that of what God has to say? And, and that's a question that you have to bring to your own preacher. I, I find that I'm glad that the word that is used here is foolish prophets, uh, because the, the word foolish means godless, that, that they're not turning to God, that they're not, they're not uh, seeking the Lord in how they should be prophesying. They're, they're not sticking by the Lord and figuring out how can we prophesy this correctly. And, um, and I, and I think that is, that is a good description. Uh, the prophets who prophesy from their own hearts, prophets who prophesy out of their own spirits of, of what it is that they want to say, those that are under some self-deception in a way um, and, and are giving people what they want to hear, tend, tend to have, have brought God down so low that they they could preach almost anything that they want to, and it's basically just a TED talk. That it that it's not a proclamation of the gospel. It's not a proclamation of the law. It's not speaking out against sin and and judgment and and bringing the freedom of Christ to the hearer. But it, but instead, it's proclaiming something else. And so, godlessness, I think, is another. Uh, 
point that that we can we can see if if, if uh, the, the question being if this sermon could be preached and and Christ didn't die on the cross maybe you know is that a is that an issue I love also too that that the distinguishing mark that's handed in in verse four is your prophets, not God's prophets, your prophets. Meaning, meaning that the people that we lift up on our own, not people that are sent to us by God to speak to us. And that's that's a big thing too, right? That that we often are looking for the pastor that we want, the preacher that we want, when what we really need is the one that God wants and the one that God wants to hand to us. The one that will actually say things to us sometimes that we don't want to hear, but we need to hear because God needs to speak to us in a particular way. He calls them jackals, which I I had to do a bunch of research into this imagery that is being used. And the closest thing that I could, that I could come up with, um, make is this sense of, of a jackal making his home among the ruins that the ruins have been abandoned and so the jackal makes makes their home there and becomes comfortable because there are no people to, to cause an issue as well as there's ways to escape that they can come through a breach in the wall and they can escape through a breach you know in in the wall and so they they have made they, they've they're comfortable with with the world falling down around them that they're not there to amend the way that the world is. That can be another hallmark of, of a, a false prophet because that's, that's where Ezekiel goes, right? That's where God goes here in verse 5. You've not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in the battle uh, in the day of the Lord. You've not protected Israel. You've not... Uh, um, you have not fixed its brokenness. You, you have not declared a warning about the ruin that is surrounding the people of God. You're, uh, there, there's also the sense in verse 6 and 7 of putting, putting what is spoken ahead of the Lord. The, the Hebrew gives a sense that they, uh, they preach and then they hope that what they say is going to be fulfilled. Uh, here it says they, they expect God to fulfill their word. The, the better translation is they preach and then they hope that their word will be fulfilled. They have no clue of what they're saying is actually true or not. And an absence of truth there can be another uh, bullet point on, on these ones that prophesy out of their own hearts, out of their own, their own spirit. And then uh, verses eight, verse eight, God's against them. I am against you, declares the Lord. We've talked about that before. That's not a good place to be. My hand will be against the prophets. That is not a great place to be. But it also tells us then that that we're in big doo-doo if we find ourselves in that in that place. And and he brings um a, a major condemnation against them. Major judgment. They shall not be in the council of my people, meaning their station that they have right now, they will lose. They will have no power, nor will they be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel. They will be removed from the genealogy. They will be removed from the promise. That is terrifying. Nor shall they enter the land of Israel. Israel will be, uh, will, will return, but they will not out of the exile, out of the destruction that's, that's not a good judgment to have God remove the very thing that we're supposed to be hoping for from us, the promise. That would be terrifying for me. 
And, and that should be terrifying for many of our, of our preachers. It's a dreadful punishment. And it all is, is tagged with this line, you, and you shall know that I am the Lord. We've, we've talked about this before. This is one of Ezekiel's favorite phrases. You shall know that I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Uh, they, they also are ones that, that, um, that preach peace when there is no peace that they tell people things are going to be okay, that you're going to prosper, that you're going to have security when, when that's not. You and God are good, so don't worry about where you are uh, when it comes to your sin or, or uh, your condemnation or whatnot, which that's a, difficult, that's a difficult road to go because here post-Calvary is what we preach is the reality that Jesus Christ has made peace for us, that he's reconciled us with God but then the danger is, as the preacher, to be able to say, you can go and do whatever you want now. That's not good, right? We, we don't want to be in that position. We don't want to find ourselves in that place. That, that there actually are things, like, like Paul, uh, in, in many of his letters, will, will say, yes, you are redeemed. Yes, Christ has bought you. Yes, Christ has paid the penalty for your sin. Yes, Christ has forgiven you. Christ has given you eternal life. Christ has grafted you into this new creation. So now then, leave your life of sin. Do not no longer hand over your body to, to the ways of sin. And so that's a, that's a difficult place to go to, right? Because we have this reality of what it is that Christ has done. And yet uh, we have this struggle against sin that we make throughout our life to try and deal with the difficulties of what is, what is, uh, what, what we are doing to ourselves and what we are doing to our neighbors. Um, but uh, here also too, they talk about the wall. I love this picture. When the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. The idea of the wall uh, is that it's a uh, is smearing it with the whitewash is to think, well, it's complete, it's perfect, it's done. So we smear it with the whitewash uh, to make it look nice, uh, to let it gleam in the sun. But then also maybe there's some aspect of it to, to hold it together. But it's actually there to hide the fact that it's not complete hide the fact that it's actually worthless. Uh, the, the word that they use here for wall is just basically a pile of rocks uh, that are not cemented together, that, that, that there's no, uh, there's no uh, thing that, that it hears it together. So it's just this pile of stones and it won't withstand a storm that comes. And, and the whitewash that they're talking about was just this sort of gummy paste that would get rinsed away by rain. And, and so to say that what you're putting up is this worthless thing, what you're putting up is this thing that, that is not going to withstand when suffering comes, that when suffering comes, when the reality becomes true, that you are not at peace, that, that you are, that you are not safe, that things are not okay, that there's not going to be prosperity and security. When, when pain and hardship comes, it just falls apart. It just falls apart. And so we see that there is no assurance of safety. 
There's no assurance, period, and that wall falls, that God is going to break it down. The wall that you have smeared, verse 14, with whitewash, and I'm going to bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This made me think of Matthew 7, uh, 24 through 27 where Jesus talks about the man who builds his house on the rock and the one that builds his house on the sand. And when the storm comes, one stays put and the other crumbles. Building our house on the rock, building our house on the truth of of God's word, on the truth of what Christ has to speak to us, on the truth of God's promises, on the truth of the reality of our own sin, on the truth of the fact that we are broken people in need of a new creation, a newness to come. And so when the pain and suffering of this world comes, we, we need God to be there as that foundation for us to help us through, to keep us going, to be a strong foundation that we can lean on against the winds and the waves that come to destroy us. But when we have preachers that come to us that tell us, oh, things are fine, that we have preachers that come to us and and tell us you're perfect just the way you are. No, that doesn't help you deal with the burdened conscience of death coming to you, of suffering, of hardship, of the fact that just the way you are is not keeping you from the daily struggles and grind that is this sinful world and the old creation. What we need is to be given a new creation. And so then we jump to, to verses 17 and following, where he's he's finished up railing against the prophets. And now he's going to go to the prophetesses, which is, uh, I think, a, an important place for us to go. Those those who, who stand with, um, well, there, there's no female preachers. We can't have female pastors. Well, the Old Testament makes it quite clear that there were female prophets. There was a you know, at least one female judge. Uh, there, there are uh, women that are placed in authority because that's who God, God calls, and and to to have a a doctrine that we cling to because of some lines in two letters that Paul wrote. Um, we need to see how God works within the world. And here uh, we have some false prophetesses. Uh, we can't lump all prophetesses uh, into, into this, this category, but there are false ones. And what's, what are these false ones doing? They're, they're handing over uh, items of fortune telling that, well, if you just wear this magic band, I almost want to throw in a Disney joke here, but I'm not going to because I love Disney. But um, these these magic bands that they were sewing as sort of a talisman. If you wear this, nothing, you know, good luck charm. Things are going to be okay. That that you you just wear this. It's it's like having those miraculous medals that that some within the Catholic tradition uh, wear, or carrying around holy water with us, or carrying around a cross necklace, or or things like that things that we think of as these sort of protective things. Here it was these magic bands and these veils, which one commentator was saying it was almost like a burqa covering the whole body. These these things of, of protection. And it says God is going to rip these away. I, I also love the, the picture here of that they're actually on the hunt for souls to, to bring them to damnation, to give them a different place to trust than in trusting in the Lord, to trust in these magical arts, to trust in these uh, lucky rabbit's foot, to trust in these, these things that do not save. 
these things that are not true, these things that you manufacture and you basically um, are selling uh, to people to, to make profit in order to make money rather than to save people. Will you hunt down souls belonging to my people and keep your own souls alive? Will you, will you put them to death? while protecting your yourself this this gives hallmarks to 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 matthew and elsewhere where christ goes off on the pharisees that you you go across land and sea to make one proselyte and you make them even more a child of hell than you are to to damn people before they even get a chance to be redeemed because you give them something else to trust in other than god himself you give them a different deity to trust in and so they're damned they're condemned because they're trusting in anything but jesus christ they're trusting in anything but the lord to save them putting to death souls who should not die and keeping alive souls who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. This is that picture of death and resurrection. The good picture is one of taking the soul that this is this old dead creation, this old sinner, this one who has been just marred and destroyed by all the sin and heartache in their lives. And they're the ones that is to be put to death in our baptism and raised to new life to be a new creation. We need to, we need to put that old Adam to death, that the, to death, that the new Adam might come forth. And, and what these women are doing is basically putting to death the new Adam and trying to give life support to the old Adam, to give CPR to the old Adam, to keep alive the old sinner when it's actually the old sinner that needs to be put to death because it's the old sinner that is causing so much so much hardship and so much heartache in us, putting to death the old sinner so that we might trust that what God have to, has to say to us is true, that we wouldn't end up down the road that Jerusalem and Judah are finding themselves now here where God is bringing judgment and destruction to them to bring death that he might then resurrect them through exile to bring them back to the land and so you have these prophetesses that are doing the exact opposite of what preachers are supposed to be doing which is putting to death sinners and raising them to new life and so they're being condemned for this they're being condemned for this and we see this in the church all the time we will preach and rail against particular sins while do nothing about other sins. Uh, We will uh, preach against uh, things like homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, adultery, uh, these sorts of things, but we have no problem letting slip away the, the sins of gluttony and the sins of greed and the sins of covetousness and the sins even of murder in which we murder one another with gossip all the time, that we steal from other one another our good reputation, that we lie about one another, that we profane the Sabbath, that we take the Lord's name in vain because we'll say that the Lord has done something when he hasn't. You know, we, we pick our pet sins to, to fight against where we have the other churches who will rail against capitalism. They will, they will rail against racism. They will rail against all these other things while uplifting these other sins when the reality is that we need to be putting this old sinner to death 
that we might raise to new life the one who has been redeemed in Jesus Christ. And so these prophetesses are just, they're just a perfect picture of how things are, have been going in the church for so long. And so it says here that God is going to do this work for us. That he's going to, that uh, I'm against your magic bands with which you hunt the souls like birds and I will tear them from your arms. He's going to rip that confidence in, in this fortune telling things. I will let the souls whom you hunt go free, the souls like birds. So those that have been captured by false doctrine, by false belief, by false assurance are going to be ripped away from you, false preachers, and, and are going to be given uh, the true word of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings freedom to captives and raises the dead. I'm to deliver my people out of your hand. He's going to rescue them from this false preaching. You shall know that I'm the Lord. Again, we hear that uh, you have disheartened the righteous falsely, although I have not grieved him. You've encouraged the wicked that he should not turn from his evil way to save his life. We have to be careful here, right? But at the same time, yes, we, we bring down those who are trying to do their best to care and love for people, but also to speak out against issues in society, issues in the church, because we like to protect our little golden calves and all these other things that we've created, all these other little deities, when the reality is we need to have God come to us and rip those things away from us. I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord, the Lord making himself known by his deliverance of us. This should be a warning to me, it should be a warning to preachers everywhere that we have to be careful with what it is that we preach. We have to be careful with uh, preaching peace to someone that maybe is not at peace with the Lord and needs to be brought to some form of repentance, but at the same way, be as quick as we can to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ of new life, new creation, new hope, uh, a new birth in him for even the worst of all sinners. We, we can't allow ourselves to cling to these false doctrines, these false hopes, these, these false fortune-telling stuff, and instead allow the word of God to come to us and make us realize that when it comes to us in both good and ill, when it comes to condemn us of our sin, it also comes to us with the remedy for that condemnation, which is Jesus Christ, who makes known to us the Lord through his deliverance of us, through his rescue of us. And that is what we beg. Let us pray. Merciful God, the fountain of living water, you quench our thirst and wash away our sin. Give us this water always. Bring us to drink from the well that flows with the beauty of your truth through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, happy Lent. I pray that things go go well with you. I pray that that you have a wonderful Lenten season again. Uh, I I. I just ask again, share this with others, that they might, that they might grow uh, in their faith and their love of God and their love for one another. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.